You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to True Wealth. I'm Dave Bastoni, and here in the studio with me is Maria Smith. Oops, sorry. Maria, how are you doing today? (laughs) Um, Doing well, doing well. I mean, the weather's been pretty nice, a little bit cool today, but still very nice, beautiful, sunny weather. It is, it is. Uh, That's a little inside joke uh, in the intro there, but... uh, uh, I told you that could happen on occasion, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, okay, yes, sure, it is. sure. It's, um, uh, it is a nice day, and uh, i got to tell you, I'm a little surprised that we haven't gotten into the, uh, the this time of the year quite yet. Uh, we've been a little bit behind all the, throughout spring, and it looks like it may be that way for a little, which is okay. We, we you know, we'll take what we get. But um, I guess for people who are looking for the, you know, those days at the at the pool or at the beach or something like that, I think it's a little chilly for those kind of things. Yeah, today Saturday was quite warm. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, there's it's been those hit or miss days, but uh, anyhow, uh, the weather plays such a part in our lives. I sometimes don't think we really uh, appreciate it. Um, I, I know I'm always keeping an eye out on the weather, but that's because it's not just me. I'm, I'm more concerned about what to do with the horses and, you know, where to put them at night, inside or out, and uh, grazing and all of that, and how the pasture mm-hmm. is going. So, you know, there's a natural tie-in to the weather for me for that. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little too sensitive to it. Maybe that's why I talk about it more than I should. Uh, I, I'm very sensitive to the weather, too. There's many things that can be done um, in certain kind of weather and other things in certain other kinds of weather. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're an inside person, it really doesn't matter too much. But some people do like to spend a lot of time outdoors. So, um, and, and, you know. and as far as you know, it's really good for your health, right, in every way. Oh, it is. It is. matter of fact, I heard as a kid... I'll share this with you. Uh, the only there's only one thing you cannot get too much of, uh, and that's fresh air. <laughs> so, so there you go. Fresh air is. Out. All right, I'm gonna have I'm gonna argue you with you on that. There's I, I only knew, one thing. I said it. I knew as soon as I said it, you were gonna come back with something. But go ahead, I'm ready. And you probably know what I'm gonna say. I I do I do. But go ahead. Let's let's. Uh, yeah. Well, there's only one thing we really get ever, ever, ever get too much of, not in this earth and not if we live for all eternity, which is God. Yeah, exactly. I knew you were going to. Or I was maybe thinking you were going to say grace. You know, in this life, can't get enough grace. But uh, but I think this uh, person who said it or, or the article that I read was kind of thinking about earthbound um, and, you know, kind of thinking more about along the lines of uh, – of uh, what we do every day, and uh, that was the only thing they could suggest that we couldn't get too much of is fresh air. So, uh, but you're right; I agree. Um, so, what's on your mind for today? 
Well, today being the day after Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, and the day after Pentecost, I believe it was in 2018, is now designated as the Memorial of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Church. And actually, for at least one Franciscan order that I know, because I was watching their streamed, live streamed daily mass this morning, it's not just a memorial because they are very much, um, very much connected with Our Lady. They're Theirs is a feast. Today is a feast day for them because they are the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. So actually, as a religious order, as a Franciscan religious order, they don't just um, have um, three vows that they make. They make four vows. In addition to the vow of poverty, obedience, and chastity, they make the vow to Our Lady. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, can you expand upon that a little bit? Give us just a little bit more. That's that's very interesting. You mean on Our Lady, or on the well, on the, the the reason they take the fourth vow? Uh, uh, I'm sure. It goes oh, back yeah, to, to make Our Lady more known, better known, and better loved by all people, which is you know really her place. Her place. She is the most important creature the most important person, the most important woman, and the most powerful woman who has ever lived upon the face of the earth. By far, by far. I mean, if you think of all the na- places that were named after her, who else or oh, what yeah. else comes close? All the names, all the places that were named, I'm sorry, I didn't catch the last After time. Our Lady. After Our Lady. All the churches, all the cities, oh, yeah. all the places, so much named after Our Lady. I mean, Guadalupe is, you know, is Our Lady of Guadalupe. So there's so much is named after her. She has so many things, and so many, and so many people have been named after her, so many women. And men, some men, too, also have the name Mary or Marie or Maria. Many religious orders and even uh, some people have been given that name as a middle name. Oh, yeah. No, she's definitely had an influence, uh, and rightfully so. I mean, I think you're absolutely absolutely right about her influence uh, on society. Um, and, and, again, what would you expect? I mean, the mother of God, you know, uh, she was responsible for raising Jesus, and that's a special privilege that no one else can even come close to. So it all fits that she should be uh, held in high esteem as we do. And she has a very, very, very tremendous, tremendously large and tremendously difficult duty, task of taking care of each one of us. And I mean, my goodness, a mother knows how, how hard it can be to take care of a few children or a dozen children. She has so many children and so many of us are very rebellious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without the mother's touch, I think, uh, you know, a lot of us would go astray. You need both, as we have talked about, father and mother. But the mother has a special touch, I think, to get to the heart. Uh, yeah. I think maybe the, the, the father may get to the mind, you know. Yes. Uh, a little yes, better. I agree. More, yeah, yes. the more direct. But you you got to have that balance. Whether you're a man or a woman, you, you have both. You have to have that balance in your life, especially growing up, so that you can do your your role, uh, perform your job when it comes time. And if you don't have the, in quotes, training, 
you weren't properly prepared, what kind of a job can you do? It's probably not very good. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you were talking about, uh, uh, I know this earlier you mentioned the Holy Spirit has been called the forgotten God. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, yes, I saw that in a bulletin, your own church's bulletin, in fact, that the Holy Spirit has been called the forgotten God. Because when we think of God, we think of God the Father, and we think of God the Son. And then when we think of God the Holy Spirit, it's often very vague, and we really don't understand. And perhaps this is actually, um, I guess even starting last century, there was, with the charismatic movement, there's more of a call, there's more of a, a need and a desire to know this mysterious third person of the Blessed Trinity. You know, for so many centuries, the only person that was really known of the triune God of the Trinity was the Father. And then mm -hmm. the Son was incarnate, and then for so many centuries, he was um, studied, he was tried to understand, he was, tr um, tr you know, people tried to get close to our Lord Jesus, and there was th so many things that they had, so many hurdles, so many obstacles and um, difficulties that they had to overcome and they had to get through because, you know, there was all the heresies, now was Jesus fully man and fully God, was he God, but only seemed like a person, there were so many different things that we, people were getting to know who this Jesus the second person of the Blessed Trinity really and truly is. And that was many centuries. But we haven't really done very much with the Holy Spirit. And perhaps this is going to be his time. You know, first it was God the Father, then God the Son. And who knows, perhaps this could be the beginning of the time of the Holy Spirit. And something that makes me actually think even more about it is because with the heavenly trinity the blessed trinity father son and holy spirit there's also a trinity on earth called the uh, the trinity of the domestic church of the holy family with jesus our lady and saint joseph and similarly in a different way but all very similar similar um jesus people got to know jesus and really tried to get close to him and learn about him and understand who jesus is and then they came more to Mary, to Our Lady. And then the dogmas and the doctrines and the teachings of Our Lady came to be. But with St. Joseph, the third person of the Holy Family, the earthly trinity, we really don't know all that much about him at all. S similarly, as with the Holy Spirit. So I see parallel there. Yeah, and a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, you know, uh, Joseph. Uh, there's not a single uh, uh, a single thing in the Bible that he spoke. I mean, uh, there's nothing recorded by any of the gospel writers uh, of words from St. Joseph. Uh, so uh, it, it, it may be easy to forget someone uh, or maybe just neglect thinking about their role and, and what they what they brought to the family if there's nothing to talk about regarding, you know, what they did. or he, He's really, you know, we know about him, but 
through some major events, but not not on a personal basis like we know Jesus and Mary, I think. Uh, uh, the other thing is, Maria, you probably know this, uh, one of the things that before uh, the Trinity was uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it was, uh, the Holy Spirit was referred to as the Holy Ghost. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. Uh, actually, I still I, use that sometimes, yes. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I could be wrong about this, but maybe that did have a little bit of a negative, a little, maybe a little stigma that prevented people from being as close to that the third person in the Trinity as. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it did, but you know, Dave, I think that it could very well have happened afterwards that the word ghost became more of a. Of a negative con had you know had more of a negative connotation. It could have been afterwards. I, I'm not really sure. Do you know more about that? No, no. It's just I remember when I was young that that's, the change was made. I didn't know why, but uh, afterwards uh, I, I liked the idea of the Holy Spirit because uh, I think that ties in more to our relationship uh, and our understanding of how we are made in the image of God, that we do have a spirit and God is pure spirit. I just think that is um, uh, just a more easy way to, or, or a more comfortable way to start to get to know the relationship. Uh, ghosts just there's nothing wrong with it, and I'm sure once people are used to it, uh, and uh, maybe it was fine, but th that was just my experience with it. But I do like Holy Spirit versus Holy Ghost a little better. Yeah, I do use Holy Spirit more often, and there was a time when I just really did not like the use of Holy Ghost, but now I like both. The Holy okay. Ghost seems to, me, seems to me something from the past, which had a beauty in and of itself. And Holy Spirit seems more of a modern, but still very beautiful in itself. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, um, that's, that's interesting. Uh, again, I think it's, it varies a little bit from individual to individual, and, but it doesn't change anything. It's just a, you know, a different term. It doesn't change the impact. And actually, when we first... Uh, started talking about this, uh, the two things that uh, came to mind that I wanted to mention, uh, that the Holy Spirit is not just this vague or uh, something or someone that's in the background and really doesn't have much to, to do. Um, without the Holy Spirit, there would be no church. And the two reasons that I, I would give for that is the first one would be the incarnation. Without the Holy Spirit, there would not have been Jesus uh, because Jesus was born, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit of, of a human mother, Mary. And so uh, when you start to think of it in those terms, uh, the Holy Spirit plays a powerful role in the, uh, in the story of salvation and um, that puts them, that puts that third person of the Trinity right on par with uh, Father and Son, in my mind, because, again, without the incarnation, there would have not been Jesus. Uh, how do you feel about that? 
Yes, exactly. Yes. As you said, the Holy Spirit is not just something vague, but a very essential part of the Trinity, because without him, there would we would have no church, and that is why on the Feast of Pentecost, it is the Holy Spirit who breathes life into the church, who begins the Catholic Church, which is why we also call Pentecost the birthday of the Catholic Church, with the Holy Spirit coming upon our Blessed Mother and the Apostles. And that's actually a question that came to me. Our Lady was probably full of the Holy Spirit already. She probably didn't need the Holy Spirit to come upon her, whereas the apostles did. Right, and that was my second point that I was going to make was Pentecost because, again, if you think about it, in the 33 years from the birth of Christ to Pentecost, um, Jesus came and he had disciples and which time he taught them, he was the role model, he gave them the template, he gave them instruction. But uh, someone being trained to do something uh, doesn't go very far unless you have the courage to go out and promote it. And it wasn't until the descent of the Holy Spirit uh, on on those uh, apostles in in that upper room did they get that last part of what they needed. They, they already had the training by living with Christ, but they needed the courage to go out and, and you know, preach the gospel uh, or preach the good news. And uh, so once again, it was the Holy Spirit that uh, allowed the church to happen because without uh, their courage to go out and preach uh, to people that wanted to do them, you know, harm, uh, because of what they were about to tell them, uh, the church would have died right there, I think. Those people would have uh, gone to their graves knowing uh, a better way, uh, but they never could get the word out. And so it would have pretty much died with them. But instead, because of the Holy Spirit, the thing just took off. And uh, once again, such a powerful role and to um, the, the the church, and also what that did was, was it allowed us to get to know the Father and the Son even better, and as you said, Mary, a little bit later on, but now we start to understand the big picture, just because of the Holy Spirit and the things that uh, occurred because of the, the, the intervention of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah, I like everything that you said. That was very good. Um, that the apostles had the training. Yeah. That they lacked the courage. And yeah. actually, to me, when when you were saying that, I thought they had the belief. The apostles believed in Jesus. They were with him for three years, and they believed he said who he said he was. And then, even though their belief was shaken, their faith was shaken, at his crucifixion and death, it was restored with his resurrection and the many times they saw him after his resurrection that he appeared to them. But yet, even so, spending three years with him, believing in him, seeing the evidence of his resurrection, even so, they lacked that courage until the Holy Spirit came and gave them that courage. And without that courage, all they could do, 
even with their belief, and believe me, I mean, they had much more belief than you or I could ever have because they had spent those years with Jesus, and they had seen him die, and they had seen his resurrected body, and yet that wasn't enough to give them courage. They needed the Holy Spirit to be, to enter them, to be, to be poured into them before they had the courage. Otherwise, what were they doing? They were hiding behind locked doors. Right. They were terrified. Right. They were not. Right. I mean, they didn't just lack some courage. They totally lacked courage. They didn't want to go out there and be crucified like Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And Peter, the one who denied Jesus, goes out and tells all these people, thousands of them, I think, were there listening to him. You know, let the whole house of Israel know for certain that you have killed the son of God. And these men were like, they were struck. They were cut to the heart. What can we do about it? You know, and here he is. He's terrified. The next instant, he goes out and speaks boldly in front of a huge crowd of men of all nations. Yeah, and like I said, otherwise, if they hadn't done that without the Holy Spirit uh, giving them that courage, uh, all of this, what they knew about Jesus Christ, the incarnation, uh, the resurrection, it, they would have gone to their graves with it. And it would have just, you know, I don't even know if we even know about it today. Uh, would have any historian have written it down? And if uh, someone did write it down, would anyone take it seriously? Um, 2,000 years later, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of things written down by historians throughout the centuries that we kind of pick and choose what we want uh, to put forward or, or to push forward. But um, by them going out, these 12 men, um, I mean, it, it's, it's when I think about what they did and the kind of odds they were up against, it, it's almost un, it's almost impossible to believe uh, because if anyone has tried to do something in our world, uh, for example, a businessman, try starting a business. Try doing something uh, in your own lifetime that uh, takes you outside of the norm, uh, whether it's what the culture thinks is a good thing or, or maybe you're not prepared for and you have to change your entire way of thinking and living. Just think how hard that is. Uh, and that's still nothing compared to what Christ and the apostles did. I, I mean, when I think of it in those terms, and I do have a little bit of insight on this because I did start a business from scratch, and um, I, I know how hard that is. And so when I compare what I did or had to deal with to what these men did and what they had to deal with, it's just astonishing. And uh, I'm sure the Holy Spirit was very active in that group we just don't know about it maybe they didn't record it but um it's just it's, it's just a overwhelming uh, uh feat in in the history of man yeah 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 you know i'm really glad that you brought up all the things that you didn't especially to something comes to mind a homily that i was listening to where the priest said that hope is confidence or trust, confidence and fortitude, which brings us back to what you said about the courage. So hope to be really, truly hope to be 
um, hope that is energizing, hope that can actually accomplish, needs to have both of those elements, the trust or confidence in God and the courage. Because really, what is what is truly trust? If you person says they trust but doesn't don't have the courage or the, the fortitude to go out and face confront any conflict, then what kind of hope and trust is that? What kind of faith is that? Yeah, exactly. And I do believe that does tend to uh, be a problem in uh, our world in, 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 in trying to evangelize or to uh, just the average person, maybe the average Christian, whether they're Catholic or not, the average Christian, they, I think, sometimes are silent when maybe they should be a little bit more uh, vocal about what they believe and why. Uh, I also think that a lot of times people don't know much about their faith. Uh, I think the Catholic faith in particular is just so deep and rich and has such a history that you have to spend a lot of time learning about it and and to really understand the teachings of the church uh, when compared to what the culture wants. And why does the church hang on to these, in quotes, old-fashioned ways when the culture is, you know, moving on here and let's get with it. Uh, So I think when people get in a situation where they have a chance to uh, maybe bring up why we uh, do what we do or believe what we believe, they take a pass, either because they don't want to get into a confrontation or they're not sure of themselves. So it's just easier to say nothing and kind of just let it go with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you hit a really excellent point when you said many people really don't know. And we have not been, many people, many of us have not been catechized well, even if we went to Catholic Catholic schools, if we received a Catholic education. Many people were not catechized. And what I probably, the essential, if not one, one of the essential, if not the most essential point that we should have learned is that upon receiving confirmation, upon becoming an adolescent, upon being filled with the Holy Spirit, the main point is to keep on learning about our faith, to fight for our faith. And yet, where do you see that? Where do you see that that people, any Catholic, to be a good, strong Catholic, how many know that they have to? It's an obligation. No, it's not you know, a a commandment, it's not, you know, written in the precepts of the church, but it certainly is a fundamental part of the church. Keep learning your faith. If we're learning our faith, we're learning about our God. And if we love our God, won't we want to learn about him? And if we learn about him, won't we love him more? I mean, it just makes sense. It's like saying, to, saying, you know, I really love, even telling yourself, I really love this person, I just don't want to get to know them anymore. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly right. Um, uh, well, and uh, go, go ahead, finish your thought. And uh, yeah, no, I basically I was finished. So go right ahead. Well, it, it's just that um, I, I think you're right. I, I do hear in our homilies the priests have been pretty con- pretty consistent 
about making the point, making the connection between the gospel reading and that it is up to us to go out and do our part, that uh, this is not, uh, the gospels weren't written for people for 2,000 years ago. They were written for us today, and we are expected to go out and proclaim the good news. We are expected to live our faith so that other people see the joy in us and want to be a, become a part of it. So they've been pretty good about that. But I have to say, uh, it's either my memory or, or I'm just paying more attention to it. I don't remember hearing it much many years ago. Uh, I, I think maybe it's just these priests that we have. Maybe it's the younger uh, men out of seminary, because uh, we've had two very young ones just out of seminary. And they do tend to make that connection that uh, this is not something you just show up and listen to and then go back to your old style of living. This is something you're supposed to actively promote, and it needs to become a part of how you think. Uh, it's not just theory, it's reality. And uh, that's what I'm, I'm pretty encouraged based on what I'm hearing at our uh, in our homilies at our at our church, so I don't know. Does that does that sound uh, any close anything close to what you've seen over the years? I think I think that there are a number of really good zealous priests, but you know we do hear about the ones that aren't so good and aren't so zealous. I think that's just a battle. It's it's a, a harvest full of wheat beautiful, wonderful wheat and horrible weeds that are trying to choke the wheat. So I do think it's both. But what you were saying, too, about, you know, our faith is not just theoretical. We have to put it into practice. It has to be a reality. And actually about not learning our faith, that is actually one of the um, seven deadly sins. The seven, the deadly sin of laziness or sloth or sloth, and I have heard both pronunciations and both are used at different times. But anyway, the deadly sin of um, spiritual laziness is a horrible sin. And, you know, the thing is, um, laziness in the spiritual sense does not mean necessarily just wanting to do nothing. It can actually be doing too much that is external, that is worldly, and not taking care of your soul, which is the most important thing. So spiritual sloth is not taking care of your soul. Yeah, the uh, the seven deadly sins, um, they're also called uh, capital. The cap- yeah. Yeah, capital sin. And, and do you know why? Uh, I just read something on that. I'm glad you brought that up because I just read something on this. Uh, it was just um, because other sins come from them. Exactly. That, that's what. It okay. Does. It, yeah. Those yeah. seven deadly sins give birth to other immoralities, and I yes. can see um, one that was used in this little article was envy, and it says envy is a, a capital sin, one of the seven deadly sins, because with envy that can lead to hatred and to violence. Uh, in other oh, words, my goodness. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Birth. I mean, what I'm you said it. right now, of course, makes us think of what's going on in the U.S. right now. And you oh. know why? Because they're envious 
of what they think they should have, what other people, what they believe other people have. I mean, some of the things, you know, uh, material things. But again, yeah, it's this envy. And it, it, like you said, it can come down to violence. And unfortunately, we have the evidence of it in these days. Yeah, yeah. And, and all of the, uh, for example, um, gluttony, um, you know, we think of maybe that gluttony refers to having too much, but we tend to think of it maybe as people eating too much. But no, it's too much of anything that's not good for us. You know, that's the sin of gluttony. Um, and uh, just like you were saying, sloth is, you know, not just not doing anything, can be doing too much and taking away from what you should be doing. So, um, and, and that's, Maria, is where learning about the faith comes in. You start to get into these, in, into the, the meat of our faith, uh, and, okay, let's go through each deadly sin one at a time, and how does it show up in, in the real world? How, how do we run across it every day? And maybe we either see it or we are guilty of it. And if you're not aware of what's going on around you uh, by knowing these and why the church, um, you know, teaches what it does and how to deal with it, you're going to fall victim. Uh, you're, either you're not going to do anything when you see it, and if you're living it, you're certainly going to be uh, oblivious to what you should be doing, you know, the virtue that you need to offset this vice that you've gotten yourself into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't there a saying, ignorance is no... Um is no justification for breaking the law, something like that. I can't remember the exact words. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you go to another country, you can't say, uh, sorry, I was driving 120 miles an hour because I didn't know that you had speed limits in the country. No, no, when you go right. to the country, your obligation is to know their laws. Yes. Uh, so if you break the law, you, you're held, you're guilty. Uh, once again, uh, that's, yes. sorry, those are the rules of the yeah. world. But anyhow. Yeah. And God, who knows everything, he knows what's in our hearts, what's in our minds. He knows everything that's going on. We can't stand before him and say, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. He's going to say, well, you should have known. I gave you enough, ample opportunity to learn. You refuse to learn. You refuse to take the time to learn what you should have learned. And, it's, you know, you see, we can't say to God, I'm, I didn't know that I was supposed to do that. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do that other thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, a time for accountability, so um, it's um, – uh, but, but it, it, it all goes back to uh, – I know we started off talking about Mary and the Holy Spirit, but we did touch on learning about the faith, and that's, that is what I find so rich and exciting about the faith is that when you get into the actual – details of living it according to church teaching it makes so much sense and then when you compare that to what you see in the culture you see where the culture has got it all wrong you see all the things they're doing that is counter to what the church is teaching and when you do that you get bad results because there's really Nothing else you can expect from uh, going against the teachings of, of the church, which is really the teachings of Jesus Christ. So uh, you get what you uh, you get what you uh, invest in, and if you're going to invest in the culture, you're going to get the, um, the the bad side of uh, 
uh, of life, I think. It's one way or another, yeah. you know, in time. Yeah. And a really sad thing is that, I mean, we can get angry at all the evil and all the injustice, but we can also be very sad at these people who just don't understand and who refuse to do what seems hard at first, but really is so much easier to do the right thing in the long run. In the short run, it does seem harder. You have to give up certain things. You have to act in a certain way. But our Lord himself says to us, take my yoke upon thee, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. But so many people refuse that and are, like you said, really a mess. And, you know, the Holy Spirit gives us, there's the seven gifts which are beautiful. The Holy Spirit also gives us the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And the fruits of the Holy Spirit, like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are beyond compare, are priceless, are treasures. And some of the fruits are like peace and joy and inner peace that nothing and nobody can take away from you. And my heart goes out to so many people who are so frustrated, confused, angry, hurting, And there's a remedy. There's a remedy for all their ills, physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual ills. There is a remedy. And yes, the remedy is hard work. If the Catholic faith were not hard, everybody would try it. It is hard work, but it pays so, so much. And if you don't, If you don't follow God's rules, it seems like you're taking the easy way and everything is easier because you don't have to follow all those rules that you think constrain you and constrict you. However, when you don't follow those rules, you end up so much worse and life becomes so much more painful and so much more harder and you truly become constricted, constrained, and enslaved. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think you sum, summarized it perfectly. Uh, uh, you know, there's a crossroads, and which which way do you go? Uh, you take the easy way or the or the, the 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 right way. Let's put it that way: the right way or the easy way. And right, uh, right. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, but this. this that's how we get to where we are is by individuals making that choice and we just got to get more people taking the right way instead of the easy way. Then maybe things will start to change. And I do think that perhaps, I believe that perhaps the best way might be for us to have these fruits so fully within us that others will long to have them, will desire to have peace, and joy, patience, kindness, because these are not things that we can do on our own. When things get tough, even people who are more good-natured, more even-keeled, even they can lose it. Even they can lose their patience, can lose their sense. But with God, with the, the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, it is something supernatural. And if people see that we're able, oh, and and it's not just a it's um, peace and joy and it's also courage 
Courage is an extremely important fruit, fortitude, to have courage to, to say the truth, to live the truth, to stand up for the truth. Yep, and uh, uh, unless uh, you know, if, unless you're comfortable with what you are uh, on, uh, how to deal with the people you come across that uh, might want to inquire why are you at peace when everything around you is falling apart, uh, unless you have that courage to tell them and the understanding to be able to explain it in a way that meets them where they are, and they go, okay, you know what? I can do this. That's how you make the change. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I think it's uh, that's it's just so many things have to fall into place. But the first thing has to be you and your courage and your understanding. And then, uh, if you're if you have that, you'll 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 know. And again, it could be the, through the through the Holy Spirit where this person is. And you'll know the words to say. The words will come without you almost having to think about them because, uh, again, if the Holy Spirit is in charge, the message will get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's what you are saying, too, is really what St. Peter tells us in the letter of Peter, chapter 315. Always be ready to have, to give a reason to people who ask you for why you have the hope you do. You have to be able to at all times. And you can't have the reason ready to give if you're not living it at all times, if you're not striving to live it all the time. You know, when I say these things like peace and joy and courage, it's not something you just get and you you have. It's something you have to work at and strive for continually every single day of your life. It is a continual spiritual battle. It is not won until it's all said and done and we are on the other side of this world. Yeah, and once uh, you tap into that, the joy and the peace, uh, you can't get enough of it. You'll do whatever you have to do to continue to, to, uh, to get that. And so the hard part is getting started. The hard part is no different than getting in shape. You've got to get started. But once you start yes. to realize the benefits of being in shape, you know, you're, you feel better, you're more alert, just everything works better, everything feels better, you, you don't want to go back. And but yeah. once again, spiritually, it's the same way. So Yeah, um, yeah. Once you get that real, a taste of yeah. what? real fruits, the real gifts of the Holy Spirit, because I think that people who fall away, and there are Catholics, there are Christians, um, every denomination, there are people who fall away, but with Catholics, if you really ever get to know our Lord and our Lady, there is no way, I don't believe there's any way you could ever turn your back on them because they are real. The wealth, the treasure that their love is, is so surpassing that anybody who gets a glimpse, a true strong glimpse, just a glimpse, of just a touch, just a taste of their true love, I don't think could ever, ever, ever fall away. Still they have to strive, true, but they're going to want to strive because if you taste this love, nothing else compares, nothing else on earth. 
no matter how good, and there are many good things on earth. God made it very good. God made all the good things on earth. Many, many wonderful, tremendous things on earth. But they don't compare with the love, the peace, the joy, the reality of our Lord and our Lady. And if anybody does get to that point, you could never, ever go back. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, hopefully uh, anyone listening at some point will take the challenge. We'll take that first step. Uh, Hopefully, uh, uh, you know, what we've talked about will have an impact. We will never know. But if it does, then then the Holy Spirit was working for them the day that they heard it and they decided to make a change. That will be a good thing. Yes. Excellent, yes. So I think we can probably wrap up now. We went over time, but it was a wonderful conversation, a wonderful topic to discuss. Oh, yeah. I I think people could spend hours on it. So, uh, well, let's let's, let's, uh, close with a prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now that the hour of our death, amen. Amen. Take care, Maria. Have a good week. You too, Dave. Bye-bye. God bless everybody. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece, and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.